morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is joining us. And we've got Andrew, a.k.a. the Cashflow King in the building. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how HSBC is partnering with Medico, now leveraging stablecoins while Ripple is in the picture. We've also got Circle and USDC expanding in Japan as SBI is going to be partnering with Circle to enhance stablecoin utility within Japanese borders. With the largest companies on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing you how many of the government regulators today are changing their stance on crypto. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcasts, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, happy Thanksgiving, my friend, and welcome back. We had a great weekend, but first of all, how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. Yes, Abs, it was great. Hopefully everybody had a great, happy uh, holiday weekend. I know ours was great. Seeing you and Mario was awesome. I wish the rest of the team could have been here, but it wasn't. But hopefully everybody did well, and good morning to everybody out there. You show up every single day. Really love and appreciate you guys. It's great to see Gonzo and Andrew as well. And Abs, what was really interesting after receiving this award was, did you know that we have over 2 million views on Good Morning Crypto? That is really cool, guys. You should be really excited about that. That is pretty cool, Gonzo. And shout out to you, Johnny. You've been great, my friend. But Gonzo, we got some exciting news to talk about. We're going to talk about the XRP connections to SBI Holdings. And I couldn't put this in the title because I didn't want this, this to get shadow banned or anything like that. We're going to talk about a Rothschild fund being connected to XRP. But we'll save that for later in the show. How you feeling this morning? And thanks for being here, my friend. It's not even like Conspiracy Fridays, bro. That's awesome. Uh, no, how's it, how's everybody doing? Good morning, everyone. Man, it, it was a great uh, few days off. I just kind of unplugged. Actually got a lot of uh, Merlin work done on the instructional videos. Have a little bit more work to do. So that was cool. But yeah, I just got to spend time with my family and that was really nice. Uh, and then, you know, we're, we're back at it again. Like Bitcoin dominance looks like it's rising. You know, Bitcoin's pulling back a little bit. It seems like the market's very frothy right now. A lot of craziness with meme coins, content creators, coming back and putting out content, pushing small market cap tokens. And so that, that just feels very toppy to me. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we're going to talk about the fear and greed index as well, because it seems like it's overextended. And Raul Paul had mentioned, guys, Bitcoin is up 275,000% since inception. That's pretty insane, Andrew. But first of all, how are you feeling? And thanks for being here. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, 5.15 p.m. here in the Netherlands. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was a great weekend. We do not celebrate uh, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, Black Friday. We do have uh, even Cyber Monday is now uh, was across, across the ocean. Um, but I just was preparing for the show and my, 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 I called a news article in the Netherlands. And I translated it for you and I only read the headline. Analyst in a Dutch news article. Analyst predicts XRP ready for explosive growth of 61,000% in the upcoming bull run. Three hours ago. Hopium is in the air, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, guys. And I'm not going to go as far as to say 61,000%, but I'll take anything at this point. We already got 204 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to start this thing off by showing you the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. 
When we check out the daily movers today, Johnny, we got Bitcoin sitting at 36,800, Ethereum 2,000 flat, XRP barely above 60 cents here, Solana $54, and Cardano sitting at 37 cents. And I think it's also worth mentioning, guys, the Bitcoin fear and greed index is in greed sitting at a 71. And this is what our listeners should hear this morning, Johnny Crypto, because Jay Clayton, the man who's responsible for filing the lawsuit against Ripple in December of 2020, is doing a complete 180 when it comes to crypto. I'm going to let this thing play and we'll share our opinions. Here we go. I am very sympathetic, very sympathetic to the entrepreneurs who wanted to reach out to the public to raise capital. And I'm very sympathetic to the retail investors who want those opportunities. A lot of what you saw in the ICO craze and what you see from crypto people is great frustration at that state of affairs. Sure. They're right to be frustrated. We should be looking at making it easier to raise capital um, for smaller and medium-sized companies, making it easier for accredited, non-accredited investors or even accredited investors to participate in those opportunities. You know, would love to hear. All right. So he actually hasn't even said the wildest part of this clip yet, guys, but I want to get some comments. Let's start with Gonzo. What do you think about Jay Clayton completely changing his stance? But here's what's really interesting. He talked about mid-sized companies, talked about small companies. Maybe he thinks Ripple's big time. Maybe that's his excuse for going after them. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we've said it before. It's very hypocritical because he's, look, you can't, I'm not saying you can't change your stance, but like he was the cause of everything by throwing out that lawsuit. Now, maybe he thought that they were just going to settle and they were going to get their pound of flesh, but it didn't work out that way. When it comes to what he's talking about with like though, um, as accredited investors, those laws definitely need to change, right? Um, just because you have money, um, doesn't mean that you're a better investor than someone that doesn't make as much money as you, right? It's all about like the time that you put in for it, your knowledge and all that. So definitely those kind of credit investor laws where you need to make $250,000 a year over, uh, I think a two year period, or you need a million dollar in assets, not including like the house that you live in. Those kind of things need to change so that everyone gets an opportunity to be able to invest pre-IPO and some of these other things, these other products that are only available to that very small percentage of people. And here's what else I think is interesting, Gonzo. He talked about not only companies being able to access capital, but the protection for retail investors. Let me just remind Jay Clayton what he caused just a couple of years ago as XRP. I was here holding the token, went through this whole ride. I'm sure many of our listeners did as well. We were trading at 25 cents for an extended period of time, and then bullish momentum rapidly came into the market. XRP went from about 23 cents to 70 cents, just a barely a wick over here in only a matter of weeks. Well, what happened? This price chart speaks for itself. What do we always say, Johnny? Show me the chart. I'll tell you the news. I'm showing you the chart, and this is exactly when Jay Clayton filed the lawsuit against Ripple, leading the price to go from 70 cents all the way down to 17 and a half cents by the end of the year. And that is a direct result of the SEC enforcement action against Ripple. So with that being said, before I play the remainder of the clip, what do you think now that you know the correlation between Jay Clayton's lawsuit and the XRP price chart? Well, two things. One, you know, a lot of us are thankful for that because I mean, a lot of people bought, had an opportunity to buy there. If you were smart, you bought in. But the, the second thing that's the most frustrating for me is, man, I wish I could beyond these shows when when these guys get asked these questions because nobody asks the hard question i would love for someone to say to him right when he said that like well then why did you put the lawsuit out tell us why did you do that you know that would have been the perfect follow-up question right there when he was saying that and you and you just never get it and that's really the frustrating thing with these interviews for me is you just you just don't get nobody asks the tough questions 
Well, I think they actually have to file the questions beforehand too. So they actually go into ah. a lot of these interviews following a script basically. So it's Even kind of worse. unfortunate for people who are looking for answers. We got 280 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. If you're standing up, please take a seat and get ready for this one. Here's Jay Clayton talking about crypto and its relationship to other technologies. How you think about um, the appropriate way uh, to regulate uh, cryptocurrency, digital assets, which you already touched on, uh, and some of the trade-offs which you consider. And if you wouldn't mind also commenting on how you think that's different from the current administration and why you think they have a different perspective. Yeah. So I think the appropriate way to regulate crypto is to recognize that it's a technology, not a product. It's a different technology for in almost all cases, delivering a product that we already know in sometimes a more efficient way. I, look, I don't know what I don't know whether it's going to be worth a little or a lot, but I am at the point where I think the market can decide. There's an, uh, there's enough what I would say is efficacy in trading and, and the like where where we can get to that point. But in terms of regulating crypto, I've I've sort of been, you know, it's a technology. Um, I think the classification issues about whether it's whether a product is a security or a commodity are overblown. I think most of those decisions are pretty easy. To the extent that we are going to continue to wrestle with those classification decisions, I say get on with it. Let's have regulated platforms where you can put either, waiting until those classification decisions get decided. Frustrating is an understatement when I watch this clip for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's doing one thing and he's saying another. The way that he acted when he was the SEC commissioner was nothing like these statements right here. And Crypto Eddie put out a great response to this. She goes, I think Jay Clayton's arm was twisted by the lobbyists or it's being twisted now, right? Either he agreed and he meant to file the lawsuit against Ripple or he didn't and he's always had this opinion. But Andrew, before I give my take, we'll kick it to you and then share it to Gonzo. Um, what you see here is really amazing and hypocrites, like like Gonzo Orange said. Uh, but, you know, I always try to, to look stuff from the positive point of view. And what I often say nowadays is that if you want to invest, you need to wait for bad news. And that's what, what Jay Clayton did. You know, he, he filed the lawsuit against, against Ripple. What happened? It went down, down and more down. And that gave you the opportunity to buy in. Um, what he's doing now, yeah, you know, I think this is politics. Politics. We just had elections in the Netherlands, and you also see a lot of politics that people don't want to work together with each other, and, and they then they, they want and then they don't. And so there is so much happening behind the scenes. So I would say just look at the price action, don't anticipate on on any uh, uh, uh things what will happen just look at price action and make up your mind if some if some, if an asset is cheap or expensive and go from there with investing but you know i love i love all the all the all the gossip all the rumors and all the the, the, the stupid news and it's 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 fun also to discuss it here here in this show really absolutely, absolutely andrew every time again and it's always fun when we get to have these chats, guys. We got 331 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Andrew, I mean, sorry, Gonzo, something that Andrew pointed out on this price chart, I think is so important. Even after the SEC lawsuit, remember this, guys, we have no regulatory clarity. We just got a lawsuit filed. The token pulled back nearly 65% just off the news. Well, what happened over the next six months? This token, XRP, went from 17 cents 
to a dollar and ninety cents, and it peaked out in only a four month period, Gonzo. So what does that say? That was a massive opportunity to accumulate the token. It's like Andrew just said: wait for the bad news, wait for everyone to be averse to these assets. That's the time to accumulate. I just thought I would throw that in. But what did you think about Jay Clayton's statements there and how he's done a complete 180? Do you believe he meant to file the lawsuit or was that an effort from lobbyists that made him do that, if that makes sense? You know, you, br- you brought up a really good point, Abs, because you had a guy who we thought was very pro-crypto who taught the technology at MIT, got into the position and flipped 180 and went against it, right? Now you have a guy who appeared to be against it but now is out and he's talking very pro crypto. So I think there's something to be said that maybe there's something with that position and the powers that be that put pressure on people to act a certain way. Um, but it, I mean, it's funny, it's very hypocritical and it's a total 180 in what he said before. As far as the XRP price action, you bring up another good point. Like, look, it, you, people can get upset at me or not, but like it, it has not been a good HODL coin, right? You, people that have just bought this and held it for long periods of times it's been very, very, very frustrating. But if you're able to kind of move within those swings, like you were at 17, at the dollar something level, get in back into the bottom, not to completely sell out of it. It doesn't mean just because, and I'm saying do it with the, all your portfolio, but just because you take profits or you're swing trading, it doesn't mean that you don't believe in the technology anymore or that you're anti XRP army. It's that you're going to ride the price volatility. And at the top, you're making money. And at the bottom, you're making more XRP. But overall, the goal is to make more XRP. And why not take advantage? Because the price volatility, like you say, uh, you know, um, Andrew was talking about that article. I don't know about 60,000%, but I, I had 130% gain on, on a leverage long because I, I've been watching the price action for so long, understanding where its support levels are and where it goes. And then you take profit points. If you study enough, there's money to be made. And guys, what I love about our show is our community comes from all aspects of the crypto market. We got Cardano people, XRP people, Ethereum, Bitcoin maximalists. But one of the things that everybody's pro is they are pro ownership, pro self-custody. And I think that's the era that we're moving into. And we're going to be breaking that down throughout today's episode. We already have 348 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And the breaking news today is that SBI Holdings has a partnership with Ripple to promote USDC inside of Japan. The number one question I got asked on my account is, is this bad for XRP? That's what I feel like we should address first. Then we'll go into the regulation and utility news. So XRP, CBDCs, and stablecoins unite as SBI's dynamic partnership with Circle sparks curiosity about XRP's stance in the stablecoin slash CBDC arena. Well, I found an old article from May of 2020 where the senior director of global operations at Ripple emphatically says no. The XRP, or sorry, XRP in and of itself is not a competitor to central bank digital currencies or stablecoins. It's designed for interoperability, supercharging stablecoins and CBDCs, and opening up new avenues for the XRP community. Now, everybody who's an XRP investor knows there's one use case that sticks out more than others. That is the bridge asset, the on-demand liquidity, the settlement mechanism that Ripple and XRP provide. That's what it can be used for, even in the circle partnership, Johnny. One of the things about stablecoins, cross-border payments, they're still slow. They're still costly. They need technologies like this to really make the most of these products. So I'd love to get some of your thoughts, and then we'll continue with the article. Yeah, I think that's the thing to think about at the end of the day is this is the bridge. And so any currency could theoretically be used for it. I don't think it's anything to get that worried about. But I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I also you know, tell everybody that, no one coin is going to rule them all. 
And XRP will find some place, some utility, I believe, because of its technology. Um, so I don't really get hung up anymore on the whole thing of, well, who's going to win the cross-border payment solution? There's so many things out there and so many companies trying to solve it, and they're all doing it a different way. We saw, we had this on the show the other day. Uh, you know, JP Morgan's trying one way. GGS is doing it a different way. Everybody's doing it. So at this point, you can't get hung up on this stuff. What you need to look at is you got to look to see the the what kind of use cases and things that are happening out there for Ripple. And this is probably a great time to talk about this, Abs. This is a great question. You know, asks uh, here, can you explain what is the liquidity hub and why is it a turning point for Ripple? And I yeah. think, you know, this is the thing to think about. So the liquidity hub allows enterprises and businesses to access the XRP uh, coin all in one place without having to connect multiple APIs to different exchanges and buy it. They can all go. So it'll go and do that in the background behind the scenes on the back end, but it allows enterprises to go and buy large chunks of it um, from multiple places without having to go to multiple places and buy it. And that's really, really important because that's access accessibility to it. So uh, hopefully that answers your question uh, there, there, Simeon, but um you know, at the end of the day, let me add something to that, Johnny, as well. Because what is the liquidity hub built for? Institutions to tap in, use the liquidity, and get out immediately. They don't have to go out and purchase large sums of XRP if they can tap into a liquidity pool from Medico, Ripple, or JP Morgan, whoever has the XRP, right? So, one of the fundamental understanding that people need to know is that it's not like we need to see Bank of America go and buy a billion dollars worth of XRP. We just need Bank of America to understand the utility of XRP and tap into the liquidity pools to provide on-demand liquidity services. That's what I think we're on the precipice of, Johnny. But we already got 388 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo, I don't want to stray too far from the original topic here because remember this. XRP enhances stablecoin and CBDCs by creating an interoperable solution we got the news out of Japan that we're going to be breaking down. So before we even get into it, what do you take away from the statements here from the vice president of Ripple's global operations? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all positive. I mean, for me, the first thing that comes to mind isn't really even the XRP ledger or XRP. It's the company Ripple and what it's doing, right? And, and that's why, like, we always talk about the pre-IPO thing because, you know, we believe that Ripple is going to end up being the next Amazon. So anything you can do to get into that, um, I think, is a good thing. Um, you know, we've talked about like the, the these the utility of this of this space that we're in, and the number one of the number one besides like tokenization of assets is going to be payments, right? And that's going to look like Johnny says it, it's going to look different for different banks, different companies in the way that they use those real time payments. Um, but I mean, it's it's a positive thing. You know, it's a step in the right direction for the adoption of the technology. How that relates to price action, well, that remains to be seen. Andrew Cashflow, we are coming to you, but I got to play this clip beforehand because Christine Lagarde gave us a little indication of the Circle and Ripple partnership way before it was on anyone else's radar. This is a clip from 2018, and this is the European vice president or president, can't remember, but it is Christine Lagarde here, guys. Pay close attention. Which is your bank and the confidence relationship that you've established with your customers. So that's where I see changes happening now if you think of circle and ripples and all those that that's where they are active and and uh, helpful that's where they're active and helpful in creating new solutions and bringing in new people to the banking system andrew that's from christine lagarde but what do you take away from everything we've thrown here <laughs> you know this is what i like so much i mean 
I, I do not like uh, uh, the, 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 the European and all the regulation that they make because in, 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 in Brussels, uh, regulations are made for the Netherlands that we have to comply to and we cannot do anything about it anymore. But here we see something that, that the, the, yeah, the coin has dropped. The, the, it looks like also the central bank starts understanding what is happening and that, that, that this innovation with blockchain is unavoidable. So it's it's fantastic news that she because two years ago I I, I heard her speaking that they said yeah crypto is uh, yeah they are doing funny things funny things which is maybe not so legal and look now two years later she's saying this so it's fantastic so, it is uh, coming back to the to the liquidity hub of XRP my biggest question is if there is big adoption adoption of XRP how big would the liquidity hub should it be to to facilitate all the users in that liquidity hub so how big should it be and i have a vision i have an idea that if you hold a bag of xrp it should be possible maybe in five or for longer years um, that you can rent out your xrp to a liquidity hub it's still with a smart contract it will still will stay your xrp but they can use it for international transfer because also XRP has a limited amount of, uh, of supply. So there will be a limit. And I think there will be opportunities and there will be new uh, products so that we can make money without, with our XRP without selling it. So not sure if it will happen, but uh, record this and uh, we will see in, a, in a several years. I agree with you, Andrew. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to earn passive yield on the XRPL. We've got hooks. We've got automated market makers. We will have smart contracts on the XRPL at some point. So all of those are going to present new opportunities. And this is what I wanted to read before I kick it back to you, Gonzo. It was SBI Holdings, a believer in Ripple and XRP. This is utility entering the market, guys. As in September of this year, SBI commenced using XRP to ease international payment between countries of Indonesia, Philippines, and Vietnam. These are very small regions, Johnny, and I think a lot of people are going to say, who cares? That's pennies on the dollar. They are starting to leverage this technology. We're progressing in the right direction. And I think this is a good time to go back to the SBI tweet I was showing before, because remember what I told you at the beginning of the show, guys, we've got our child connections here. And anybody who's on audio, this, look at your screen. Just look at your screen for a second here, guys, and bear with me, because we got to talk about this latest update XRP has long part of the, for a long time been a part of the conversation when we talk about a one-world currency and a one-world economy. Well, SBI is the largest outside shareholder of Ripple. Yes, SBI, the company that just partnered with USDC, is the largest outside shareholder of Ripple, having an 8.7% stake in the company. Now, why is that important? Because within this fund, this company, this our Rothschild company, this fund, owns SBI. This is the company that is responsible for the ownership of SBI. So that's why these connections are valuable indirectly in our child owns 8% of the company. Now I'm trying to stay here. I don't want to get shadow banned. I don't want to get blocked or anything, but I think this is really important information. And guys, this is public. I found this online. So this isn't some secret information hidden in a dark room. If you Google this, it comes up. So I'd love to get some thoughts from Gonzo and then I'll show some more relevant stuff comparing Ripple and Circle. Yeah, man, that, that's an interesting find, bro. Like, I, but I'm not surprised, right? Um, you know, we're an XRP-centric channel, and, and this is why, you know, we're 
placing our bet with it because we see what the technology does and we see the people that are involved, like whether it's in the background or they're like in, in you know, out there uh, for it to be known, um, there, there's a reason why, um, you know, we love it. So I, I feel like sometimes like, like I said, like I, I don't need to be sold on, on, on XRP. I already have my bags. And, and so now we just have to wait for that to translate to, um, to price action. So Johnny, you like to shut down my conspiracies. Feel free to do that now because first of all, there's no second sources here. I can't find another source citing this information besides the document that I'm showing you guys. So maybe it's not even real. But what I do think is relevant is that SBI is a powerhouse when it comes to new technologies. So of course they'd be leveraged here. It's, it, it's no surprise at all. Am I right? Well, I mean, this was an old article. I remember seeing this when we first got into this a long time ago. And this was original. Actually, Coach showed this a while ago where this kind of tied this whole thing together. Now, remember, this was, I think, in 2018 or something like that. It was a while. It was a while back. But the thing that the, just to clarify here is they don't own Ripple, the company. They own Ripple's XRP, but they had a large stake of it then. And we don't know what the stake is today. So that's kind Wait, of no, 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 no. They own SBI, and SBI owns eight percent of Ripple. Right, SBI, not uh, not Ripple, but Ripple's XRP. They oh, sorry 8%. about that. Yep, they own eight percent. That's just what I want to clarify. About nine percent of Ripple's stake at the time. Who knows what it is today? If they still hold it or bought it or sold it, whatever. But there was certainly this connection, and that's what got everybody excited about thinking that this would be the uh, the, the, the 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 one rule, uh, one ring to rule them all, kind of a thing. So I think that nonetheless, though. I still think that that's why you see a lot of excitement around XRP's technology because of the the technology solutions that it potentially provides to be able to solve, you know, this whole big challenge of cross-border payments and and, and money. Because we know that's coming. We know that there is it's very, very hard in 2023, which is crazy to say this, but it's very, very hard to 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 move money around the world in 2023. And it shouldn't be, I can send you an email. I could send you data within seconds, but yet if I want to get money to a different, if I want to get money to Andrew, the quickest way still is for me to get on a plane with a freaking suitcase full of money and actually fly over to Andrew and hand it to him. And that's crazy. And that's why this is exciting because we know, yeah, Andrew's waiting for that bucket. That suitcase. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but you know, so for me, what's exciting here is that, there will be solutions to solve it, and Ripple will be one of the players in the game to try and solve for it. At this point, that's all we can hope for is that they're that they're in there and that we're investing in some of the other uh, alternatives as well because none of us knows which horse is going to win this race. You just better make damn sure you got a few horses in this race. Absolutely, guys. And we got 427 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I want to hear your opinion. Put a one in the live chat. If this changes your opinion on XRP, does this add to your confidence in XRP? Put a two in the live chat if you think this is totally irrelevant. But Gonzo, I think it's a good time to actually transition. You know what, Andrew? I'd love for you to share your thoughts, and then we'll transition into the article about USDC and their partnership with uh, SBI. Did you have any thoughts on the Rothschild Association to Ripple? Yeah, uh, at least what I know, Rothschild from is one of the wealthiest families in in the world. So if they stick their finger in something, uh, one they have some be- uh, background information, and 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 they know what what they are doing. So uh, uh, 
what 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 I'm wondering is is the 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 the, the still the relation between USDC and USDT. Last week we spoke about USDT because USDT was rising, then USDC was going down. Now uh, uh, USDC is going up again. Uh, the utility of that. So um, I've, I've not a specific opinion about it, but it's it's interesting to see that stable coins get more and more attention in combination with yeah also CDBCs. XRP is there, so there is something happening there. And if something gets yeah, regulating the next, to my opinion, will be USDT and USDC or, or other stable coins. I agree with you, Andrew. And for anybody who doesn't know what he was referring to, this is the correlation that we've seen between USDT and USDC so far. USDT has went from about $60 billion in total market cap all the way to $87 billion in total market cap during 2023. Well, USDC did the exact opposite, going from $40 billion all the way down to twenty during that same 12-month time period. So it's an interesting correlation. I did think it was worth addressing. But guys, we're going to start breaking down the article that everybody is here for as the breaking news out of today is Ripple and XRP Believer. SBI Holdings has joined hands with Circle to promote USDC in Japan. This is really exciting because it comes on the back of regulation. And I think it gives a little bit of insight into what could happen in the USA when friendly regulation is eventually passed. Circle disclosed details about a new coalition in a tweet today and on its official blog. Per the notification, the collaboration or the collaborative alliance is to revolutionize the financial landscape in Japan through the integration of USDC and Web3 services. This partnership signifies a massive leap into the digital asset innovation and a strategic expansion for USDC in Asia, Johnny Crypto. So pretty big news. Asia once again leading the charge. USDC is coming to Japan. USDC in Japan was established on the government's Revised Payment Services Act for stablecoin regulation. The revised act specifically outlines provisions for stablecoins backed by fiat currency. Circle prides itself on operating a fully backed stablecoin service as it claims its USDC has 100% support from highly liquid cash and cash equivalent assets, ensuring that USDC's one-to-one redeemability for US dollars is absolutely there. The firm also stated that the reserves for USDC are separate from Circle's operational funds and are safeguarded in leading financial institutions. And that played a huge role in the SBF case, guys. Same thing with Kraken. All of them were accused of commingling customers' funds with company expenses. Good to see USDC getting ahead of the ball there. They also, uh, as a result, the Ripple partner and Circle have formalized their collaboration by signing a memorandum of understanding that outlines the coming of USDC to the Japanese market. In the initial application, the memorandum of understanding will see Circle and SBI Group broaden the utility of stablecoins inside of Japan. Both entities have affirmed their commitment to stablecoin regulations, including open communications with relevant authorities, something I'm going to say we are yet to see inside the USA. Now, here are some of the connections before I kick it back to the group. As SBI has been a longtime supporter of Ripple, as we just stated, they are the largest outside shareholder of the company, owning 8.7% publicly, and they've been associated with Ripple for over seven years. Well, this September in 2023, SBI commenced using XRP to ease international payments in countries such as Indonesia, Philippines, and Japan. And I think one of our users actually commented this, SBI's motto, start small, then expand. Johnny Crypto, I just threw a lot in the air. You tell me what stuck out to you. Well, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing for sure is the fact that, you know, 
the U.S. is going to try to get one stable coin out there for sure. We know regulation is coming. This just, I think, continues to cement the way for USDC as potentially being adopted someday as a as a stable coin. I think that's certainly enough, especially with the, the backings behind it. I think that's really the, what you're seeing happening here, Abs, is you're seeing USDT or Tether kind of get pushed aside with Circle really going after Asia and trying to establish itself as USDC being the main stable coin. It seems to me that, you know, I've always kind of felt with Circle behind them and we know who's behind Circle, big, big, big players. So, uh, you know, BlackRock and Coinbase. So to me, I feel like USDC is ultimately going to win out here in, in terms of cementing itself as probably the closest thing to a US uh, backed stable coin and maybe eventually become the, the back stable coin. I just laugh how people try to throw Ripple in every single article. Like the Ripple partners. It's, it really had nothing to do with Ripple. I mean, this is really uh, their partners, but that's about it. But people will milk the name for clickbait. But nonetheless, the, the story here is that you are you're starting to see the USDC potentially become, you know, first we're hearing like USDT may get shut down and nobody was talking about USDC and whether that was going to, now you see, Finance under trouble. Not that finance is going anywhere. They'll be fine. But I just think you're going to see more emphasis on a push now in 2024 for stable coins. And I think USDC is going to be the one that you're going to see become the dominant stable coin in the U.S. Gonzo and Andrew, I'd love to hear your opinion. What do you think, Andrew, about USDC versus USDT? Now, what I like about USDC is not only are they backed by Coinbase, BlackRock, some huge names, they have proof of reserves. And that's something that has long time been a question about Tether. So actually, I don't even know if that's important to you, but you tell me your thoughts, USDT versus Tether, and then we'll continue with this article here. Um, USDC versus USDT. I, I do not hold anything and any stable coin of that. If you are, if you want to go in and out coins, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm an investor and sometimes I buy, sometimes I sell, I take profits. Make sure you, 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 the, the best alternative is to keep your, if you want to hold it in USDC or USDT, keep it in a, in a wallet and else have it in stable coins, in dollars or in euros or in Great Britain pounds and move it back. If it is a bigger amount, move it back to your bank account because there it is secured by the government and there at least you have protection for if, if the bank goes bankrupt. If a, if a, a, a central uh, uh, crypto exchange will go bust, you will lose it. So that, that's my take on USDT and USDC. I think it doesn't matter so much what you use, either USDC or USDT. What I like is there is a sort of competition going on, and that drives adoption of cryptocurrencies related to, uh, to fiat, uh, fiat money. And that's a good development. Gonzo, this is something that we have to show our listeners because remember, guys, XRP can actually make central bank digital currencies and stablecoins a better product than they are today. And we just got some news. Somebody subscribed. We never talk about subscribing to the channel because we got so many loyal daily listeners. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. We go live every day, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, and we literally don't miss a day. We did Thanksgiving. We did the Friday after. I promise if Christmas is Monday through Friday, I will be on air that day. So you're going to get that type of commitment from our group. But Gonzo, on a more serious note and a more impactful note, these are some statements from the Senior Director of Global Operations at Ripple. The bridge asset, uh, XRP should be considered a bridge asset under the international settlement rules. There are various types of crypto assets, but I think that the role of XRP as a bridge asset in international settlement 
is not competing with stablecoins or central bank digital currencies, but on the contrary, it's complementary. We believe that various stablecoins and CBDCs will create a synergy by responding to the liquidity problem by bridging independent crypto assets like XRP. And that's what we just addressed earlier in the show. The liquidity hub allows for these products to become better. And XRP, they're just the best product in the market. So Gonzo, what do you take away from this news? Senior Vice President of Global Operations at Ripple. She's very bullish about central bank digital currencies being enhanced by their product. Yeah, I think they're right. I think they are. All, all this stuff is all complimentary. I've said it before about like one of the biggest use cases for this is going to be payments. And you see these companies are going to where they have regulatory clarity, which we don't have in the U.S. So I'm not surprised that they're going to um, Japan where they have regulatory clarity. Right. As far as USDC and USDT, uh, I'm more like um, Andrew. You know, I, I don't keep... Uh, um, I usually keep it in USD if I know I'm going to make a buy. Um, I keep it's depending on what exchange I'm on. I'm, I'm using both USDT and USDC because remember uh, there was a while ago last year where we thought USDC was the chosen one and look what happened. Remember they got some of their funds caught up in the Silicon Valley Bank thing and um, they were lucky that those deposits got backed over the FDIC insurance because remember USDT became depegged, right? And so I think you always just have to be cognizant of that that regardless of the bullish news that we see regulation and all that, like Andrew says, it's not FDIC insured and you never know when you could have some kind of event that depegs it. Right. And so it's just like everything that's risk reward. You don't want to be all in USDT or you all in USDC, just like you want to, you don't want to be all in just one crypto, right? You want to be spread out so that if something catastrophic happens, it doesn't take you out. And so it's the same thing for the stable coins. The one stable coin though, I have been paying attention to, is PayPal stablecoin, right? That's an interesting move, then kind of jumping into the fray and seeing what PayPal is going to do, considering the amount of money that flows through PayPal. This is another interesting stat, Johnny. I want to get your opinion on this because Robert Kinasaki has been tweeting about Bitcoin, gold, and silver every single day. And I just wanted to get your really brief thoughts before we move on to something more important. He said this, protect yourself from our Marxist leaders, save gold, silver, and Bitcoin, not US dollars. Does it surprise you that he is a Bitcoin... Uh, advocate here. He's been a longtime advocate for real estate, gold and silver. No, not at all. He's also been a big advocate for Bitcoin for a while in Kansatuna. He's pretty much called them out. And, uh, you know, you can't eat Bitcoin, you can't eat gold and silver. So uh, you, you want to make sure you have those cans of tuna as well. But And I'm not joking either. He's serious about it. But, you know, the reality is he understands how the world works. He understands how what, what inflation is. He understands why inflation isn't going to go away and it's going to continue to happen. And he understands that inflation robs our wealth. And the best way to avoid all those things is to not be in something that's inflatable. And that's why he's saying all the time, get out of silver. I mean, sorry, get out of dollars, get out of fiat, because fiat is 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 an unlimited supply. And the problem with unlimited supply is, you know, they can continue to add more and more of it and it devalues it. So he's, he's spot on about, and so I'm not surprised that a lot of the billionaires or a lot of the, the rich people, what you see, Abs, is their their flight to safety in quality, as, as Larry Fink likes to now say crypto is, is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is one of the things that a lot of the elites and a lot of the, the super rich are fly, fleeing to as a potential new store of value similar to something like gold. And so... When you're when you've got a half a billion or a billion dollars and you have to figure out how to diversify it, 
you know, you, and you normally gold, silver, sometimes the stock market and real estate was the place you go in. Um, and in fact, where Kiyosaki buys gold mines, but Bitcoin has now become abs a whole new entire option for these folks that was never an option before. And so you see, you know, sailors talking about it and putting a ton of his wealth into it. And, and we know who owns them, by the way. Uh, you see, you know, you see Kiyosaki, you see Yusko, you see all the elites. A lot of them are moving into Bitcoin. So to me, that is not a surprise that he's there too. And I think you're going to see more and more. And I think that's going to actually legitimize the story of Bitcoin being a, a store of value. And guys, we are going to talk about a new connection between Mark Yusko and the 21 shares XRP ETF that was filed in Europe. These are pretty exciting and we love our friend Mark. So it's really cool to see him leveraging XRP if the rumors end up being true. But here's another update. I'm just going to play this very brief clip from U.S. presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, who owns both Bitcoin and Ethereum. And what did I tell you guys last week? The reason we talk about this guy is not because we think he's a great U.S. presidential candidate. He's going to bring the crypto conversation to the main stage. And this is another example right here. Here we go. And so, yes, I think that I think I am the most pro-Bitcoin and pro-crypto candidate who's existed in American history. And I'm saying that I say that with a sense of pride. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm told that I was the first Republican. They have these financial disclosures you put up if you're a presidential candidate that are required. Apparently, among the financial disclosures, I think I'm the first presidential candidate ever to own Bitcoin or crypto. Uh, so... I think that that's. Well, I hope you don't own any crypto. You haven't any shitcoins. <laughs> I own uh, I own Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, as of the time of the. Uh, Fake, you're a shitcoiner. Come on, man. Oh, okay, yeah, you guys are purists. Right. Listen, you got to take that I will Ethereum, say that, uh, it, trade it for Bitcoin. Well, I'm not, I don't trade my account anymore because I'm running for president. <laughs> it's a uh, it's independently managed. But, uh, also, first Republican presidential candidate. Let, let me just say something really quick on a serious note, Gonzo. Is the fact that this is how crypto is still being talked about today? That he says he owns Bitcoin and Ethereum, and they make a joke to sell your Ethereum. That's exactly how the American markets are being represented. These types of conversations make us seem so idiotic, so naive to the whole movement that I think it's it's upsetting <laughs> that these types of guys get interviews. Why doesn't Vivek come on our show? I'd love to ask some serious questions. Dude, Bye. that would be the worst trade ever. Dude, the Bitcoin Ethereum pairing is at support. It looks like it might collapse. You would not get like you you'd wait. You need an Ethereum pump to trade from ETH back into Bitcoin. There are times to do that trade, but absolutely not right now. It's at the bottom. If not, it's about to lose its support and maybe come down even a little bit further. But you're right. Like these conversations, I think it's all good because it just brings not the Bitcoin maxis are good, but it just brings um, attention to the to the space and it gives it a sense of of. Um, of being more legitimate, right? When you have a presidential candidate that's talking about it. But it's funny. He, those are Bitcoin maxis. That is not the trade to do. Yeah, I, think I agree the, with it. Oh, Johnny Flores, yours. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, this, so, so things like this, right? So let me just make a comment to this. Like this guy will never win. Let's be honest. We're, we're, the, the, the honest conversation here isn't about whether he's going to win or not. That's, you're probably right. He's not going to win. But the reality is the fact that he's out there talking about crypto and bringing attention to it and making it something that people haven't heard before is actually good for crypto, regardless of what the conversation is. Like, yes, those guys are maximalists and they're retarded, right? In terms of, oh yeah, sell your Ethereum. That that makes no sense. I mean, think about it at the end of the day. Um, I wouldn't say they're the R word if they got Vivek oh, yeah. on their podcast, but I would say they're maximalists without a doubt. Well, I, what I meant was this statement was, was silly, right? To say, oh, sell your Ethereum. Ethereum's like the number one planted smart contract champion in the world and they're not 
that's silly to say, oh, you should sell that shit coin. I mean, that's just ridiculous to say. It just shows you the mentality and, you know, of, of maximalism, which is stupid. I wouldn't go there with it. Um, but I think what's good about it, Abs, is when is the first, when is the last time you heard a presidential candidate talk about cryptocurrency? It's actually great to yep. hear, hear. I mean, and I think he's a little bit wrong. I think Trump was involved in, I think Trump owns some Bitcoin or some Ethereum, and I know he traded or, or launched some NFTs. So the good news is you're starting to see at the highest levels a little bit of cryptocurrency talk coming out. It's actually not a bad thing. And you're going to hear a lot more of it in the future. I don't think it's going to be a mainstream topic, uh, you know, during the election at all. I, I think that's wishful thinking. There's no reason for it. It's too small of a category right now. Not a big issue that they're going to want to talk about it um, unless something crazy happens. But nonetheless, Here's what I think really quick, because I want your response. Somebody commented, Vivek's an opportunist. I agree. I see what Vivek is doing. And you know what he's doing? He's getting guys like me kid. to talk about him. And he's I think it's actually kid. working. So if he can get... Yeah. People like me to believe that he is pro crypto that may sway a few votes in one direction or the other. Not that I think he's gonna have a shot at getting elected. I'm not gonna say who I'm voting for, but Vivek, that's not why we're playing the clip. Just to be clear, yeah, you're right. No, I think you nailed the spot on. He's gonna get attention from the younger voters. The younger voters are actually looking at Bitcoin as a store of value. A lot of them said, uh, "Thank you." A lot of them said. You know, I was at a I was in a chat one day or spaces with a bunch of young people, and Yus goes on there too and was talking about gold. And the young kids are like, no, 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 I don't want my grandpa's gold. I want Bitcoin. And so what's gonna happen is a lot of the younger generation, when they get the hand-me-downs, when the gold and the silver gets passed from their grandparents or their parents to them, they're gonna sell it and they're gonna go buy Bitcoin. So so Bitcoin is gonna certainly, I think, have a place to play as a store of value. But I, you know, I think to say that. Anything else is a shit coin. That's just that's just silly and maximalism that isn't going to work. But nonetheless, great that Vivek's talking about it. Maybe we'll even hear a little bit more about it come up again. It is drawing attention. It just tells you further validation. We are moving into a place where at some point, even some of my friends now, the other day, Abs, I forgot to tell you, one of my buddies who always bust my chops are like, this is a scam. So I send them the article uh, where, where in Europe they talked about um, – how they're going to use it for tokenization. And now all my buddies are starting to flip the script themselves. Now they say, oh, we never said it was fake. We just said, blah, blah, like bull crap. They were calling this thing a scam. It was fake. Now it's not fake anymore. So it's real funny because you know, we talk about the phases first, they ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they fight you. Then they join you. Like literally your friends go through the exact same phase. First, they're laughing at you, you know, and they're ignoring you, and then they're fighting you. And now all of a sudden they're starting to join you. It's really, really funny to see. And like in two more years, I know all my buddies who thought they were a scam. They're going to be, oh, yeah, we knew this was coming. It just cracked me up, man. It's hilarious. Well, dude, I, ha I had people calling me when XRP was at 93 cents. They were dying to get in. And I was like, no, no, now. Like, let's no. set up your accounts. And then, but when, when, we, when we took that dip, we went back down. We were like high 40s, low 50s, like, you know, after we got that correction. I hit them up and said, hey, did you set up your account? Like, now's the time. And they're like, oh, I'm over it. So like you were all about it at 93 cents, but now that like it's down half where you can maybe build a position that's better. Now you don't want to hear it, but I promise you when we break a dollar, those same people are going to be calling me up saying, Oh, I want to get in. What? I, I told you when it was like 45 cents and now you no. want to get in at a dollar. You know, it's no, even no, more. Your word, doesn't count. Your word doesn't count Gonzo. 
But wait till when CNN and Fox News tells them to buy in the two dollars, they're gonna be running to the line. Let me in, let me in. I want to buy it. It's crazy. I do think this is important though, guys. It's important to be humble because remember this: we all started somewhere. We all started right there. I started as a Bitcoin maximalist. Go back. If you met me in 2019, I would be telling you about how Bitcoin's gonna change the world. And I think that we shouldn't be grandiose about our opinions here. We commit our lives to this. We commit every day we're investigating this stuff. If your friends come to the XRP army, we'll welcome them with open arms. I'm not going to criticize you for your past opinions, but forgive, don't forget, my friends. We got 414 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Andrew Cashel, I'd love to come to you first because we're about to play a video of how central bank digital currencies change the relationship between the retail investor and their money. And now why is this important, guys? Because in a world where central bank digital currencies dominate, it's sovereign currencies and interoperable currencies like XRP and XLM that will become much more valuable in the process. With that being said, keep that in mind during this next clip. Here, we're, uh, here we go. You're in introducing the electronic euro, as I know. Yeah. So yeah. How, can I, um, how can switching to an electronic currency help? Now we have in Europe this threshold above 1,000 euros, you cannot pay cash. If you do, you're on the gray market. So you take mm -hmm. your risk. You get caught, you are fined, or you go in jail. But wow. okay, I have to pause for comments. So let me wow. let me just explain this. In Europe, what she's describing is you can't pay a thousand dollars for anything. You can't pay a thousand dollars cash for anything, right? She said you can be thrown in jail for spending over a thousand dollars cash, which means you become a criminal if you're wealthy enough. That means if you don't show them. All of your finances. Hey, Christine Lagarde, can I see your audited tax returns, please? I'm very interested to see what you're hiding and preventing. No. I know you said your son owns crypto. Is all of his crypto reported properly? So it's interesting when we start to play these games. I'm, I'm just some guy on YouTube, but Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, this, this is the sad story from the central control of the European Un Union. It is, it is really... Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I cannot I cannot cope with this, you know. We are robbed from our freedom over and over and over again. And still we have, also in the Netherlands, a lot of people say they are pro-Europe. And of course, I'm pro-Europe, you know. We have open borders and we, we, can, we can walk in, walk out. We have free trade uh, between the European Union. But what you see more and more is limiting the freedom from the, from, from the people. And this is, this is a central control way. Uh, and then the next step will be, you know, this the CO2 uh, uh, emission that if you already bought uh, too much meat, uh, then they will say, yeah, okay, your central, your your uh, your CO2 budget does not allow you to buy uh, or to to book that plane ticket to to Spain or something like that. You know, these kind of possibilities will open it, and we will get used to it very slowly because there are a lot of people who say, oh, I have nothing to hide. So yeah. how is it how is it that they can make cash illegal? I grew up in a world where I thought that would never even be possible. And, and it, it's honestly shocking because the infringement of freedom, everyone, no one cares. Nobody even cares, dude. If you turn on the news, nobody's paying attention to this stuff. And I think that's what I find so frustrating, Johnny. We talk about it on our channel. We got 400 people watching us. There's 360 million Americans in the United States we all should be uniting, fighting for the value of our currency. And it should have happened in the 1970s. Shout out to my grandparents. Were they distracted? They didn't have the iPhone yet. What's their excuse, Johnny? But I'm fired up this morning. We got a lot of topics to get into. Because let me answer the question. No, that's a very important question. You said why. I'm going to tell you why. 
because this started in 1980s. This didn't start today. They started this in the 1980s when they gave you a credit card, a piece of plastic to replace your green cash. And for 30, 40 years, now however long that was, oh my God, it's like 40 years. Damn, I'm getting old. For like 35 years, people have been getting accustomed and slowly weaning themselves off of cash and into plastic for 20, 30 years. So this doesn't happen overnight. None of this stuff happens overnight. It happens over a very long period of time. And what they just did now will continue to slowly happen, further progress off of cash. Now you go to places. You, I was like, where the hell did I go the other day? I went the other day to the store. They're like, oh, we don't take cash. I'm like, what? Like, we don't take cash. You know what I did? I walked out. Okay, we don't take cash. Fine. I'm not, but that's it. More and more people. Hey, let me tell you something. And more and more people did that, you would see cash come back. But they won't. Because so many people, everybody and their mother, pretty much, hey, Ward, shout out to our man, Warders Above. Everybody, I hope you're on the show next week, guys. Don't miss it next Wednesday. Um, everybody and their mother, Abs, is using plastic now and digital. And now the Apple Pay and swipe the phone. And now I see people online, they just use their hand and they pay now. So there isn't there. It's a slow, long transition of winning. It's taken 30 to 40 years. So it'll probably take another 20. And then, yeah, cash will be completely gone. But these things don't happen overnight. It's a very, very slow and methodical process. All right, guys, we got to address another important topic today because our good friend, Mark Yusko, a brilliant mind in the space. It looks like he's finally come around on XRP. And Gonzo, I'd love to start off with you when it comes to this article because one of our friends on Twitter, this man's name is Chad Steingrabber, I think. He says that the 21 shares XRP exchange-traded products, they did an investor round. And some of these names are going to be shocking for our listeners in particular We've got Bitcoin maximalist Anthony Pompliano on here, so it's interesting to see that. Also, Kathy Wood, one of the most influential capitalists in America. But scroll down, our good friend Morgan Creek Digital Capital right here, guys. That's Mark Yusko. Pretty exciting. So I really hope that this is true. I hope he's leveraging the opportunity. People are saying, what are you going to say to Yusko? I'm excited. If this is true, this is a great thing. Not only for XRP, not only for Mark Yusko, but it's pretty exciting for us as well because we had the conversations before he even adopted this. So what do you think, Johnny? Does he owe us a dollar? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll start <laughs> with Gonzo. What Shout I out to Yusko. Yeah. We, love, we love Mark Yusko, by the way. Yeah, no, dude, it'll be cool. I mean, who knows if you'll be able to talk about it, right? Because they have certain restrictions because of the SEC and there are things that they can say and they can't say. So it'll be interesting if you'll be able to like to say anything. But, uh, you know, we, we could take that uh, L and uh, – um, I'm sorry, that W. And we Not- can say we finally broke him down. We broke him down after all the times that he's been on the show with us. He broke him down and he finally decided to invest. But, but yeah, no, it's all good. Look, follow the money, right? Like we always tell people that follow the money, follow like, you know, there's a reason why Kathy Wood's in the position that she's in, right? And so just follow the money. And Andrew, I don't know if you have any. Th- oh, actually, Johnny, give me your thoughts on that one real quick. I'm going to be emailing him after the show, but let's see if we can get him on next 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 month because we got to ask him about that you know it would be interesting because you know he's pretty if, if it's true and listen he runs a big company you know n- who knows if everything oh goes this through. is important to know it doesn't disclose the amount who knows if it's a 100 bucks who knows if mark right. even okayed it, this decision right mark might have like mike mark might have been involved in it he might not have. you know it could have been one of his fund managers that said hey i want to tinkle a little bit in this or you know play around with a little bit of, you know figure it out and maybe put a little bit in there. who knows but it will be great. The nice thing is we have a relationship with him, so we'll be able to ask him. I'm definitely going to try to get him on the show in December, and let's see if we can get him on. And abs, let's bring this back up. 
I mean, he might not be able to talk about some of it, but that is public information, what you found there. So whatever is public, he can disclose and probably talk about. So let's find out. Well, uh, I'll, uh, I'll see what we can do to get him on in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely, guys. And we got 420 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I want to remind you, we got Waters Above joining the show later on this month. But Gonzo, one of the things that everybody's paying attention to is the relationships between XRP and the United States government. And that's this is not conspiracy talk, guys. This is really cool public information as well. This is something I'd love to close the show out on. So five people I think every XRP or Ripple investor should know of. Number one, Rosie Rios, the former treasurer of the United States, and her signature is on more dollar bills than anyone else in U.S. history. Pretty exciting news there. The most powerful woman in banking, number six, J.P. Morgan Chase's Sandy O'Connor is another former Ripple board member. We have an ex-Ripple advisor, Michael Barr, who joined the Federal Reserve and is actually working on digital pilots behind the scenes right now. While the president of BlackRock's Digital Assets Committee is also a former Ripple executive. Yes, I'll repeat that one again, Gonzo. The president of BlackRock's Digital Asset Committee is a former Ripple executive. And the last one here, the former CEO, Depository Trust, and Clearing Corporation advisor joins Ripple Labs. So pretty exciting. Literally all over the U.S. government, we've got these connections. We only got about three minutes here, but I'd love to spend some time on it. What do you think about all these connections here, Gonzo? Um, you know, it just, I mean, it's cool to point out, but like, I'm not surprised, right? Like usually these people are ambitious. Ripple's a really good company to work for. And so whether it's people coming into Ripple from like government jobs or leaving Ripple to go off and do bigger and better things, you're going to see that it's a huge kind of startup. We believe Ripple's going to be the next Amazon. So I'm not surprised that they're able to attract talent or that they have talent that's homegrown that goes off to do other things. Guys, it's like the Patriots back in the day. Everybody wants, if Tom Brady's on your team, everybody wants to get on the squad. Well, that is Brad Garlinghouse in the crypto space. And Nobody wants to be know, on the Patriots right now. Let hold me on. For anybody who doesn't know, I am born and raised in Boston. So that's why I'm a Tom Brady advocate. But Johnny, I want to talk about the live chat question we asked our listeners today. Because I thought this was pretty cool, guys. We asked our live chat. Oh, sorry. I actually, I got to get a minute to pull up the stats. All right, while you're pulling that up, I'm just going to say that, Abs, remember this. The, son, the old saying goes like this. It goes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So don't be surprised of all the relationships and why Ripple is bringing these people on board. You know, at the end of the day, that's how the world works. It's, it's people, it's relationships that matter. So, of course, you're going to want to bring on people that have connections into areas that you want to play in. And for me, that's what's the exciting part is you can look at where they got the connections and that almost gives you a little insight of where they want to play. That's what I love about a lot of these projects, right? I think Chainlink is another huge one. Quant Networks, XLM. Mm. There's so many winners in this in this space, guys. Do your research, have fun, enjoy the grind because guess what? The majority, the darkest days of the bear market are behind us. And this is what we asked our listeners today. What is your peak price target for XRP during the next bull run? 32% of our users were realistic, and I agree with you, my friends. Oh, wow, look at these stats here, Johnny. So 33% of our votes said between $1 and $12. The exact same amount said between $13 and $22. We've never had that on a live chat poll. 18% believe we're going to get above $51 in the next bull run, and 16% think we're going to be somewhere between $23 and $50. Bucks. I'm going to go as far as to say I think we're going to be on the cusp of that $12, $15 mark, but I just realized we have 20 seconds, so... Everybody, Johnny Crypto, you give me closing thoughts and we'll close it out. Yeah, I mean, I've always felt realistically 10 to $12 is real. So I'm in there with that crew there. 
that makes sense, but we don't have a lot of time left. But yeah, I think the majority is. It's funny because, you know, in the past, I think if you had asked that question a year ago, a lot of people on this channel would have said a lot higher. So maybe people are really changing their expectations based on what we're saying. Maybe not, but that's kind of where I'm, I'm in that 3 to $10 range. You're on mute, buddy. You're on mute. We have 408 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to say thank you to Andrew. Thank you to Gonzo. And thank you to Johnny Crypto. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ah.